Aloha and welcome to Connection to the Cosmos with your host, me, Dr. Lisa Thompson, where I have out-of-this-world conversations with extraordinary people. And today I am so excited to have my friend Carmel Kemp on, and I'll bring her on screen in just a moment. First, just a couple of announcements. So today is August 30th. And what that means is my book now is officially available on Amazon. So for the today, for the next five days, I have a free Kindle download. So I want this message out to the world. So please go to Amazon Connection to the Cosmos and get your free copy. Or if you like print copy, you can buy that there too. Um, and if you're visiting Hawaii, come see me on one of my Big Island UFO tours. Okay, we're now going to bring Carmel on. And hi, Carmel. So good to have you here. Hey, Lisa. I'm thrilled and very grateful. Thank you so much for yeah. having me. So for those who don't know you, let me tell them all about your amazingness. So Carmel Kemp is a spiritual mentor and shaman who offers a multimodality approach to healing awakening and expanding consciousness. In her childhood years as a young empath, she was unable to make sense of her abilities. And like most young intuitives connected to spirit, she buried her gifts below the pain and suffering she experienced at the hands of an abusive mother and the strangers of sexual abuse. Over a decade ago, and after carrying the heavy baggage of her past, Carmel knew that something had to change. It would either be the end or the beginning. After a series of fairy tale events, Carmel's life turned on a dime as spirit came loudly knocking. After intense training, Carmel has attained the status as a Meister Shaman who works with Ayahuasca and San Pedro. She has been named a Nagual Shaman in the lineage of Don Miguel Ruiz and has been initiated into ancient Eastern mysticism wisdom and yogic sciences by her beloved guru Sadhguru. so carmel is passionate about offering tools techniques and experiences that will allow you to step fully into your divine nature and come to know yourself as a limitless being who can navigate life fearlessly with grace and ease so welcome 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 i am so excited to have you here and i just want to give people just a little background so you and i we met five and a half years ago and oh, wow. yeah <laughs> or it's i guess five five years and a couple months but we did training with the amazing denise lynn doing our advanced past life regression therapy certification and we both have had huge changes since over these five years in terms of where we live what we do for work um so anyway, I just wanted to give people that little bit of background as to how we met. <laughs> and, um, but I would love for you to start sharing first about like how you grew up, because that's one of the things that it's really interesting for the viewers, the listeners to understand where people came from to know like how they got to where they are now. Sure. Yeah. The old story. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 kind of it, you know fascinating, really, to 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 look back on it. Um, you know, I was born to a single mother who was 17 in 1963. It's not an easy feat to do yeah. um, in the middle of nowhere, Manitoba. Hmm. And you know, for the first year, five years, life was amazing. It was terrific. I had these sort of surrogate grandmothers in addition to my own grandparents who. I loved and adored immensely and who helped raise me when my mother went to, uh, to nursing school. And then what happened was is that <laughs> when I was about five, my, my mother became impregnated a, a, again. And uh, the father who I knew and called dad growing up um, married her and adopted me. And we, we left my my cocoon, <laughs> right? We left my cocoon and, and, and I remember just sort of feeling like an outsider all of a sudden, hmm. struggling to find my place. And, 
you know, my sister came along a few months later and, and my dad was in the bank at a very young age. And so we moved around to all of these little small towns, which were amazing and fantastic. But there was something that was happening along the way that just didn't make sense. My mother used to clean the house every single day. She would defrost the fridge every day, take plates and stuff. And it was like this looking back on it now, this sort of obsessive compulsive thing. And, and, you know, years later, I was thought is like, was she trying to clean herself or is she, you know, what's happening? Yeah. And, and I think that somewhere along the way, something happened within her that started to manifest as um, not very pleasant person. Um, you know, she was um, very angry. She would fly off the handle very easily. Um, I had to learn how to sort of walk around on eggshells around her. Um, and it just, it became a place of fear. And it wasn't until, you know, several years later. And, you know, I experienced pretty significant sexual abuse when I was about six. Hmm. And so I started to also display some behavior um, that I didn't understand. I didn't know why until much later when I actually worked with children that were, you know, sexually abused is that they will often display what we would call inappropriate sexual behavior. So I did some things that she didn't understand <laughs> and, um, and it just started to, to get worse and worse and worse. Um, I ran away from home several times. Um, I didn't want to be there. I had a beautiful aunt and uncle who lived in northern Manitoba that would kind of rescue me in, in summer vacation to get me out of that atmosphere. And so it was just something that really sort of <clears throat> progressed and progressed. And then my father started drinking heavily. Um, and she did, but in later years, and I left home when I was about 18, sort of with this real deep sense of unworthiness, to be honest. I just never knew who, who loved me, right? And I couldn't really speak. I couldn't, because when I did, I was so excited. I would generally speak very loudly that I'd be told to, you know, be quiet. And, and so in some ways that <laughs> benefited me because I came the observer. Um, and as an empath and sort of really sort of observing things, I would start to notice some underlying energy about what the distinction and difference was between what people were saying and what they were actually feeling. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, it was a benefit. Um, but by that time, you know, as I, 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 I talked about a little in, in my talk a little bit was that I sort of just created a barrier and boundary around me trying to protect myself. But really what it did was create a prison. And then for the next, God, 25 years, I just carried this load of baggage around with me yeah. constantly, right? So, you know, I know many people have similar stories. But for me, I think the, the underlying current was the, the unworthiness and, and, and the fear that were gnawing okay. at me constantly. So what, what ended up? What was the turning point where you're like, I gotta, I gotta work on this and like go deep into your spirituality? Oh God! Well, it wasn't until about you know I was almost fifty. You know, I'm gonna be you know fifty nine. That cat's out of the bag now in a couple of months. <laughs> um, but uh, I just I would kind of flirt in and out. I I flirted with you know boundaries of addiction, cocaine, alcohol, just always trying to numb and suppress. Um, my, my last former partner of 16 years, um, attempted a few times to get me to go and talk to somebody. And I was very resistant because I already lived it once. I don't want to go back in and live it again. But the truth of the matter of the fact is, is that you have to, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of look at it, um, and be willing to go into those dirty areas to, to find a greater understanding and perception of what really happened. And, and how I also contributed to the story. Yeah. And when that relationship ended, um, 
I, I was miserable. And it wasn't just because of the relationship. I just knew that something had to change. Um, and um, I, I was doing this crazy job for work that was very lucrative for me at the time. And um, this fellow was having an afternoon get together and a friend of mine said, well, let's go. And I was like, no, I'm just not fit for human consumption. I, I just don't want to do it. And he always had really interesting people at these parties. And there was an intuitive, um, she's a, a medium, a psychic, a healer. Mm -hmm. And um, she was doing readings. And a friend of mine said, well, go. And I said, no, I'm not going to go. I believe, because, you know, I believe, I believe in spirit, I've had enough experiences, and I don't want her to tell me that my life is going to suck in the way that it already does. <laughs> and, you know, hindsight, you know, but at the moment, I have no idea what made me sit down across the table from her, but I did. Okay. And she was incredibly insightful, um, but her delivery and the way that she, she came across and and gave me the message and, and, and the guidance it was very, very different than anything I had experienced before. And so I thought, wow, okay, that's interesting. And a month later, I was having a gathering of people over at my house. And so I hired her to come and do readings. And at the beginning of it, I said to her, I said, how did you get into this? And she's like, oh, I've always seen spirit. Lovely, lovely young Mexican woman. And she started talking about the mediumship portion. And I thought of my grandfather who had passed, you know, 15 years ago or so. And she said, well, do you want to, you know, connect? And I said, sure. And she nailed him. She nailed my relationship with him. Um, gave me some messages from him. My friends came. They were blown away. And so a few days later, it was probably weekend. So we partied and everything was great. And then came Monday. It was like I was miserable again. And I literally sent her an email and said, help, I'm a mess. Mm. And I was on her table in two days. And two days after that, I was a completely different human being. She moved energy, cleared out boundaries. And I went and I continually saw her and I went, okay, I get it. But how? Because I knew that I had something going on here that I didn't understand because I had experiences when I was a child that I couldn't talk to anybody about. And, you know, at that point, I knew that it was either I had to do something different or it was literally go jump off the cliff. Because I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it anymore. I, I, it was just so tangled. It was like this big ball of yarn that was twisted and turned and had so many knots in it. And from that moment on, I, I dove in. I dove in 24-7. And as I did that, my abilities started to open up, but I also knew that I had to get out of the, the negative route. Mm. And so I started studying, researching. Pema Children was, was um, I think, one of her courses that I took in, in the beginning, and I stumbled upon something that worked for me to get out of that negative loop. And so I was kind of doing both at the same time. Um, and then found myself in the Amazon drinking ayahuasca. And, you know, here I am. Okay. Well, so, yeah. So you, you transitioned from living in Canada to now you actually live in Peru. Yeah. And you, and you lead ceremonies with ayahuasca in San Pedro. Yeah. And so for those um, who aren't familiar with those medicines, can you just explain the difference between them and, and what it actually does? Um, sure, absolutely. Um, ayahuasca is referred to as grandmother medicine. Um, it's a vine. Um, it's referred to, ayahuasca really means the vine of the soul. Um, and is a tremendous, tremendous healer. What we call the ayahuasca brew is primarily made up of two main ingredients, the ayahuasca vine and uh, a, a plant, a shrub, the leaf from it called shikruna. Ayahuasca in and of itself doesn't really contain much DMT. It's the shikruna that does, which opens up the vision space. So what happens is, is that it's, it's, it, it's kind of a, a multifaceted approach because the ayahuasca in and of itself is what we would call the mother healer. Um, 
she can get in there and uncross and untangle energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also known as a purga, which is why, you know, probably if some people have heard of ayahuasca, they're a lot of the times afraid of vomiting, diarrhea, laughing, crying. Yeah. Uh, I was telling you about my husband's good fear of pooping his pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Been there. Been there. Um, so, and so because when we untangle that energy, that energy has to go somewhere. It has to be released somewhere. And this is the purga effect of ayahuasca. And she's a tremendous teacher. So through the vision space, she can show you, teach you. And a lot of the times what what a lot of people will see, and, and from my own experience, is that in the beginning, you just see the projection of your own bullshit. Mm. You, you, your fears that can show up. Like It, it was amazing. My, my, my first and only fear the first time I ever drank ayahuasca was that nothing was going to happen. And so I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And it can take 30 to 40 minutes. And I could hear other people having experience. And I'm like, okay, what's happening? What's happening? And then all of a sudden, boom. And I'll never forget the first vision that I saw was of this beautiful, huge, psychedelic octopus. Cool. And and then it just it, it kept going and you know I saw these like you know monkeys on a fence that were laughing at me and pointing fingers and I understood what it meant you know we don't want to be vulnerable it's like we don't want to show we don't want other people to judge us and to laugh at us and so in those moments she was showing me my my own stuff that was coming out and I had done. I think enough work before I had gotten down there that when I would see the monkeys, I would look at them and I would understand what was happening and then go, I don't care. I love you. And they would disappear. And then something else would come into the space. And then while this is going on, um, and I also knew that there was going to be some stuff coming out the bottom end because what a lot of people don't understand. And I believe that, Oh my God, what's his name? I can see him playing his day. Um, talks about this uh, in that 90 to 95% of people that have experienced sexual abuse develop IBS. And so I had had irritable bowel syndrome where I'd be, honestly, I'd be driving my car and all of a sudden I'd get a cramp and I'd shit my pants at a red light. Wow. Like, like, oh God, now what do I do? Um, And so I know that, but I've never experienced it since. Hmm. The IBS is gone. And it was gone since then. And so it's, you know, she's a teacher. And, and I don't want people to understand or think there's a lot of healing um, on the energetic, physical body level, mental level, psychological level that happens. But it's not like the matrix where you have the red pill or the blue pill. Plant medicine is really the beginning of the work in a lot of ways, right? Because she'll help you untangle the energy, teach you, show you. And then it's your job to go and not get tangled up again. Right. As, yeah. Well, as with any kind of healing that people do, that it like the body can heal itself, but then it's it's their job to stay out of maybe the mindset environment that creates that illness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it's it was it was um, I think it was my second or third night, and I sobbed for two and a half hours, mm. and. It was all of the grief um, that I didn't allow myself to really look at or experience from my my mother's abuse and the sexual abuse. Um, we can we can vomit during the ceremony, but there's uh, what we call real purge, and that purge is it doesn't come from the stomach. And I released this this night. And one of the assistants came over to ask me or to help me. And I said, what the hell was that? It didn't come from my stomach. And it was like this different texture and and feeling. I said, it it didn't come from my stomach. And she just looked at me and she said it was energy. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so cool. And I just kind of, I was exhausted. (laughs) All right. So the medicine, I don't want to scare people because it's, it's, you know, people don't want to do that in front of other people. But, you know, there's no ego left after the end of the diet. Um, 
we can start to be real and vulnerable with each other. We can start to learn. We can start to look at things in a different way and understand where we've contributed to our own story and kept that storyline running. Mm-hmm. Um, once you drink plant medicine, what a lot of people don't understand is that that spirit, um, and there's more than one, there's hundreds if not thousands, that, and, and the head medicine is who we make our relationship with, the head medicine spirit, because there's a hierarchy with each and every plant. And so we make our relationship with the head medicine spirit because it keeps the other ones that are not so benevolent, believe it or not, out of the way. And we work with the head medicine spirit. But you have that as a new spirit guide for the rest of your life unless you ask it to leave. And so you can work with it continually. If you're having struggles or obstacles or challenges come up, you can just simply sit and and call in the spirit of the medicine to come and help and give you guidance and help you get through it. Um, I've worked with the medicine to manifest what a lot of people would call miracles. Um, and it's, it's just an absolutely beautiful thing. She's very gentle. She's very loving. She can be very firm. Um, but she'll meet you. And she'll meet you where you're at. Um, you can't peel the whole onion on in one night. So she'll know what you can handle and what you can't at that specific time. Yeah. Um, and then we can get into San Pedro, which is a cactus. Um, its active ingredient is the same as peyote, which is mescaline, but it's a very, very different medicine to peyote. Peyote, I found to be a little bit more straightforward and in your face. Okay. Um, San Pedro is known as grandfather medicine. And um, incredibly, incredibly loving medicine. It's um, known as heart-opening medicine. It was named after San Pedro is St. Peter. It's Huachuma in Quechua, the original language or indigenous language here in Peru. Um, that really helps you open up your heart. Mm-hmm. Anything out of the way. And so that you can see the inclusivity of everything that is around you. It's, it's beautiful to connect to the self inwardly, um, what's there, the essence of, of what that is, to, to the mountains. We do that during the day. It's a much more gentle. It's just more what we call, we call social medicine, where you know after we ingest the San Pedro, we'll do what we call the Icaro, which are basically invocations and instructions to the medicine that are taught to us by the medicine. Um, to come and start the ceremony. And then after that, um, you can get up, you can have some tea. We generally will go for a hike in nature, be near water, trees, flowers, plants, and just include that as a part of yourself and understand that there is no separation. This is not me, it's mine. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a heap of information and food that has been gathered over time. And what we gather can never be us but it can be ours in the same with the mind. And so it can teach us in, in, in many different ways that we are the cosmos. We are Pachamama. Pachamama does not just mean earth. It means actually mother cosmos. Why Rakocha is father cosmos, which could be related very much to Shiva Shakti principle. Yeah. yeah. So when um, people come to you, do they typically just choose one of the plant medicines or do they do both or how, how do you work with people? Um, well, typically I'll have a couple of set retreats um, throughout the year that will either be to San Pedro, to Ayahuasca, with the option of you to add on to either of those at the front or the back end. Um, I also offer private and small group ceremonies based on your specific schedule and what plant medicine and how many of ceremonies that you want to do. Um, I had a retreat here in May where we did four San Pedro ceremonies um, with a day off in between second and third day. And then we had three days off and then we did two ayahuasca ceremonies. So it's very, very flexible because I understand that, you know, people have certain ideas about what they want to experience. Um, not a lot of people know about San Pedro. Um, it's it's not really a lesser medicine in, in terms of teaching. It's just a completely different experience. San Pedro is a 12-hour ceremony. 
it lasts that long. Okay. You know, we, we, we ingest the medicine at eight o'clock in the morning and it can take about three hours for it to come into its peak and stay in that peak for about four hours until it starts to ebb and wane off again, which is why, you know, what we call sometimes mountain shamanism, where we'll go and we'll, we'll hike, we'll go sit by the river, um, connect to the Apu, which here are referred to as mountain deities or mountain spirits. Um, so yeah, there's just the whole bunch. And I'm, you know, I, because of my, my primarily my background started with ayahuasca and then it's come into the San Pedro being here in the sacred Valley. I'm learning more about San Pedro and also about the Andes. Um, and the original uh, Quechua people before the Spanish came in and, you know, did what they did with their conquest. Um, there's um, uh, uh, the, the Quechua people, um, there's also people that are from Caros. They're known as the Caro, and they're the Paco Andina shamans. Um, and they're referred to as the wisdom keepers. And so when the Spanish came, they fled high up into the mountains where they knew the Spanish wouldn't come so that they could retain that wisdom and that knowledge and what they refer to as cosmovision um, in, in their shamanic lineage. And so I've, I've had the opportunity to, to start to learn about that aspect of Andean shamanism and, and the Paco, which is love to know more about that. Can you explain the difference between it and the shamanism that you have been practicing? Well, because originally with the ayahuasca, it's, um, it's a very intense medicine. Um, and it requires a tremendous amount of focus and attention, especially in the beginning when you're learning, because you have to really focus solely on the spirit of the medicine and invoke that medicine through the ikaro, which are technically sung, but they're not songs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, which invokes the medicine in a certain way. Um, every, everything, every plant, every animal spirit has an ikaro, and you can ask it to teach you. But in order to do so, you have to have tremendous focus and attention on that. So really in the early days, the training is on developing that focus and attention because if I'm in a ceremony leading that as a shaman and I'm not focused, there's a whole lot of stuff that can go sideways, especially, okay. with, especially with ayahuasca. Um, what I'm learning about the, the Paco and Dina is that their relationship is more with the, 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 the land, with the Apu, with Pachamama, with the coca leaf. Um, they truly eat a lot of coca. Um, and coca madre is, and I'm building my relationship with her, um, helps you with sort of attain and, and, and tap into that other cosmovision of, of the moon, of the sun, of, of water, of the stars, of the Apu, and, and the connection. They will do amazing ceremonies where they'll go up and they'll do what we call a despacho, which is um, dispelling sort of negative energy in the land and asking for protection and nurturing from, from, from the Apu. They'll take the alpaca, the llama, up into the mountains and they'll dress them all up and then they'll have them in a circle and they'll ask the apu to bless them with fertility because they know that they're uh, a part of their livelihood. They, they, the land, the, the alpaca, you know, everything, there's this deep connection and understanding. They'll ask, you know, the apu to to help them to be better people, to open up their awareness and their consciousness, to be kind. And so this is what the focus is, and this is how the healing comes through that way. With the plant medicine, you're ingesting, you know, a, a brew, uh, a medicine, um, and then we invoke it in a different way. So they're, they're very different in, in that way, yeah. uh, but no less important. Right. Well, how, I mean, this beautiful explanation. So 
Okay, so to, so ayahuasca basically is really to get into the deep shadow work, essentially, like fears and untangling stuck energy. Yeah, you know, it'll 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 release some stuff, and there's there's stuff that happens in ceremony that doesn't make sense. The mind can't grasp it. But there's a deeper knowing and understanding that something incredibly profound has just happened. Um, you know, trying to make sense of every vision that you have is never going to happen because once you try to do that, you engage the intellect, and the intellect can never know anything. It only cuts things apart. Yeah. So you just have to receive. Mm -hmm. I still will get something from my very first diapa. Okay. A lot of it was geometric patterns that... I perceived in some ways as, as downloads or remembering, um, but not really knowing what that was. Mm -hmm. I just knew that it was significant. And so we just have to allow that because as soon as we start to latch onto something, what we do is that we create a story around it. And then that becomes memory, which actually creates a lot of issues for us because of the karmic structure of what this is and dissolving i mean karma is action essentially but moreover it's the residual impact of memory right and so once you create a story now you're going to have the memory of that and you're going to latch onto it and in many ways it's not going to be beneficial for you so basically this is like releasing the stories then absolutely yeah. absolutely because the stories, you know, we can believe in things, but belief isn't knowing. Belief is the biggest illusion in life that there is. And when you start to come to that understanding, the mind just wants to go, what? Mm -hmm. Right? And then we can have experiences, and that experiences can teach the mind or the intellect. Right? It can't be the other way around. It's never going to work. And so when you start to really understand that, this is not me, it's mine. I created this personality and this identity and I can recreate it at any time. In the recreation though, is that the memory and the identity and the intellect will fiercely defend that. And this is where we get tangled up into um, resistance. Um, you know, I was, what did I read today? Oh, I was on Polo, I got a Rumi card and it was, if you want to be written upon you by the divine, you have to become a blank page. And in order to become a blank page, you have to get rid of all of the bullshit that you're telling yourself. And it's messy. Yeah. It's messy. You know, a lot of it is beautiful, but it's messy. It's messy, messy. You know, I mean, I've been a puddle of hot mess tearing thing on the floor many, many times. But then it just feels so good. Even with the ayahuasca, after you really understand what is happening with the purging, you mm -hmm. can be over your bucket and be incredibly uncomfortable, but going at the same time, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Right? Right. It's, you know, and that's messed up for the mind to handle as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this is what we do. Right. So, is are there people that you would not recommend any of these plant medicines for? No, no. There are some what we would call dietic protocol restrictions, like you know, before you come to drink, drink ayahuasca, there's no pork for a week before and 30 days after. Um, no sex, no alcohol, no other supplements or plant medicines for three days before, three days after. Um, sugar, including fruit. Sugar and ayahuasca follow the same pathway to the brain, and it can make you feel incredibly sick. Um, if people are on prescription medication, we have to know what that prescription medication is um, and, and be off that. Um, it, it gets a little tricky because... Um, if people are on antidepressants, um, even uh, Prozac is the big one, is that you have to be off it for about five weeks before because it becomes incredibly dangerous. And so those are, you know, physiological things that we're talking about. Um, yeah. Other than that, no, I, you know, it's an amazing medicine. Okay. When I 
Yeah, I was thinking of any people that might have some mental illness or things like that. But not like is, you know. Yeah, you know, when we start talking about mental illness, unfortunately, a lot of people that you know, I mean, I think in in many cases, most of us are suffering from mental illness, <laughs> right? It just depends on whether or not you're on on the prescription medication, right? And 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 what that is. Um, you know, schizophrenia, maybe not so much, um, you know, multiple personality um, disorder, that would have to be, be known beforehand. And then what we could do is potentially prepare and have more than one maestro in the room, depending on the size of the group. So there are some precautions that we need to, to take and understand. Um, it, it depends on, I think that for me, I feel that, you know, mental illness is, like I said, I, I, I do feel that, I mean, let's be honest. Right. Right? Yeah. Mental illness, I, I think, in, in many ways is, is that we've just had, you know, experiences or trauma that we perceive a certain way and, and continue to tell the story about and don't have the the means to manage or cope with that because we've attached to the story mm -hmm. um, trauma, the experiences in a certain way that, you know, you know, a lot of people don't, and am I going to go here? <laughs> I guess I'm going to go here. Um, <clears throat> I probably, at some point in my life, had I gone to see a doctor or someone, probably would have told me that I had PTSD. Yeah. Um, I have worked with people that have come to me that have been diagnosed with having PTSD, and I say to them, the first thing I want you to do is stop telling yourself that you have PTSD. Yeah. Um, because the more that you do, the more that you've latched onto that story and the less work that we can effectively do to untangle the energy of that. Um, in many ways, I think that a lot of, 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 of doctors, um, therapists are a little bit handcuffed if we are just coming at it from a medical perspective. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, they're not really trained in energy and everything is energy. And I think that diagnosing someone and giving them a prescription for it is a little bit of a band-aid yeah. because it's not addressing the root cause. It's only addressing the symptom. Yeah. And so what I want to do, what shamans want to do, what we want to do is, is get to the underlying energy and work with that and resolve that. So I put my foot in it, but I'm just speaking my truth. So well, I think it's beautifully said. And I know there might be some people watching that are like going to be shocked by that. But I, 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 everything, yeah, has a root cause that we can get to. Yeah. And the mind can be rewired. Like we're not stuck. All timelines exist simultaneously. It, exactly. Right. Time is only linear and three-dimensional consciousness. Right. And 3D consciousness is very much fear-based, survivor-based. It's rule and law-based. Um, time is relative. Um, but, you know, if you can get to a place of gaining distance from this memory and the mind and the body and getting into different um, levels of dimensions of consciousness, you can bend time. Right. I've done it. And I know people would have done it. And, it's, and the mind goes, how is that possible? And you just tell the mind to just go and just accept what it is. And acceptance is a big part of this as well, right? You know, I, got, I, I had to get to a point where I just simply had to accept what happened during my childhood and my life. And that acceptance really can be freedom. I now look at all of those unpleasant experiences as blessings because if I haven't had them, 
I'm not sitting here doing what I'm doing because I can't sit with somebody and say, I understand. Yeah. Same actually. Yeah. 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 I actually, yeah, I can look back and at all of the, you know, toxic relationships or experiences that, you know, I used to feel a victim to. Right. And I can thank them because I did evolve and I have so much wisdom now coming out of it. And I have shown myself and maybe other people, you don't have to be stuck. No, no, you don't. Cause we're stuck in a dialogue that is really a lie. Yeah. And for the most part, and people were like, what do you mean it was a lie, but it happened. I said, yeah, it might've happened, but it's the way that you're looking at perceiving it through your lens that is largely made up of belief systems, um, yeah. illusions, um, you know. I mean, we're all really insane, so why don't we just be joyfully insane? Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, our solar system in and of itself is a, is a microspec. Mm -hmm. There's a big picture. And then within that microspec, there's Earth, which is a little, little, little micro, micro, microspec. And yeah. on that Earth, Right. And much smaller, but yeah, we want everything to go our own way. You know, Sad Guru would say he calls them earth spinners. You know, there's people out there that want to control the spin of the earth. It's never gonna happen. It's <laughs> not, right? So, you know, the best thing to do is just to accept what is because it can be no other way. And for me, it's like I don't believe anything and I don't disbelieve anything. I either know from my experience or I don't know. And I learned that it's much better for me to say, I don't know, rather than cave into the ego that wants to say, well, I believe in this. So it's got to be this rigid. I'm like, no, I don't know. Because if you say, I don't know, then there are limitless possibilities available to you. As soon as you say, I know, then that's it. Cut and dry. There's no other possibility available to you. And this is where we've become so limited in our identity and how we show up. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what makes this whole thing work. You know, I've, I've had experiences with plant medicine. I've had experiences with said guru. That's my dog rolling on the floor. Um, <laughs> um, that you can't explain. But they happened. I experienced them. And then you're like, well, how did that happen? I don't know. Just be willing to say, I don't know, and accept it as the mystery and the beautiful divine thing that it is. Beautiful. Could you share one of those experiences? <clears throat> one of my experiences was said, Guru? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, for people who don't know who said Guru is, who, like, if you can explain. Oh, gosh. I don't think we'll have that much time. Um, the, the, the short sort of version of it is, is that he is an enlightened master, mystic, yogi, guru, walking the planet this very moment. Mm -hmm. um, the likes of Yogananda, Jesus, Buddha. Um, I have been initiated um, five years ago, four and a half, five years ago into um, what you would call yogic sciences or ancient Kriya practices that work with the breath um, to gain distance from this memory. Um, during my, my first initiation, um, we learned how to do what is called the Shambhavi Mahamudra. Um, which is basically just sitting in one position, but doing different breathing techniques and different hand things. And when you become initiated by him, from what I understand subsequent, that is that he's consecrated me. <laughs> um, to better be able to become a divine possibility. Mm. And on the initiation day, um, we did this twice, but in, in the afternoon, um, when we finished the Shambhavi Mahamudra and were initiated by him energetically, my vision space, I mean, this is without 
medicine. I mean, I can see and perceive things, but it was just like there was just this light. Mm. And I was surrounded by celestial beings or ascended masters. And really, there's only one guru, right? It's a presence. And my body just uncontrollably started to shift and move and, and, and tears came. It was like I was completely blissful. But with this enormous amount of energy moving my body in a way that I had never experienced before. Um, and I still do that practice. I do four hours of sadhana a day. Four hours. That's commitment. <laughs> um, Okay. I, I know what is happening when I do that. I know the benefits of that. Um, and if you want to explore, I would encourage everyone to, to Google. He's there. There's videos and videos. He gives free um, meditations to do. Isha Kriya is free and available online. It takes you 17 minutes. A day to do and it, you just follow it and do it and there's things that happen and how I, I came to, to know him is that he, they say you don't find your guru he finds you and I met this beautiful woman it's a crazy story I'll kind of encapsulate it a little bit and I had just gotten back from a Sanango diet which is a different medicine with my maestro and I was going to do all of these changes with my business and blah, 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 blah. And I got home and medicine abuela says, no, do nothing. I'm like, you need to do nothing. Do nothing. Just sit. And I'm like, yeah, but I got to, no. Yeah, but I got, no. Yeah, but, no, no. I'm like, okay, I can sit. I can sit and be. It's fine. I'd sit in my backyard and stare at my big toe or something. <laughs> I met this woman and she tested me and she said, do you want to go and have some lunch? And I said, sure. So we had lunch. She told me her entire life story. She's a beautiful, lovely, lovely woman. Um, and she just happened to mention Sad Guru. She didn't tell me the law, you know, into the whole thing. And I thought, well, I got nothing better to do. So I'm going to go home and I Google Sad Guru. And I'm like, oh my God, what is he doing? Like some of this thing, you can see the mystic doing the, the, the mystic work in every, every hair when he was consecrating Devi, uh, which is Shakti. He consecrated a lingam, so it's part of my sadhana process. And I was like, oh, my God, there he is. This is what I've been I – know, I know there was a guy out there like this. And I just went crazy. I binge-watched I don't know how many YouTube videos with him, and I started doing some of the free meditations. A week later – I was in bed and I was trying to sleep and I was like, okay, this isn't going to happen because sometimes when energy is moving with me, um, I can lay there and I can see spirit. There's okay. Who are you? I'm like, okay, don't flirt. Cause then you'll never get to sleep. And I was laying there and like, okay, uh, this is just what it's going to be. And all of a sudden I literally, I swear to God, saw his face and I was like, sad guru. And my whole body went, <laughs> And I was like, holy crap, this is the real deal. And then that's what really sort of motivated me to go and do inner engineering and become initiated by him. Okay. So does he have some kind of school that you go and do? Or oh, there's he's there's many. I so I've done inner engineering, so you can um, Google Sad Guru inner engineering. Um, so there's a, a program part of it, and then you'll learn, you can do it even online. So you can either go to his ashram in Tennessee, you can go to the one in India, you can do it online. Um, and so that is really the first thing. That's the first thing that you need to do. I've also been initiated into what is called Bhutashuddhi, which is a purification of the five elements that I do with water and earth and fire and the elements every day. Also, um, shunya, which is absolutely huge. Shunya is, um, well, you'll also learn how to do the Shakti Shalana Kriya, which is a, 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 a Kriya process, but 
you also have what they refer to as a bij mantra that is actually transmitted into your etheric field that it will if you come back and back and back and back it will be there always in that etheric field waiting so i do a shunya meditation twice a day which takes about 15 minutes where i repeat this beach mantra a couple of times and disappear say <laughs> so, no it's it sounds crazy um, the Baba Spandana program that I did with him for four days, what I experienced and witnessed is beyond some of the other fairy tale experiences that I've ever had. Um, and he's, it's the real deal. You know, he would say, you know, if Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, if Jesus came back today, he said, you either believe it and get your shit together or you say, no, that's not him. Okay. This guy is the real deal. Excellent. 100%. And part of in in, 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 in my in my mentoring um, work that I do with people, he's a big part of it. I will I will give them the meditations, the free stuff. Um, I can't initiate someone, obviously, um, or teach them some of the Kriya, but there's a lot of free stuff online that is available and I do give them that. Um, I introduce them to Debbie. Um, she's my Debbie, my goddess. I wear her pendant, her pictures on one of my altars. I've got my sad guru and my, my Eastern mysticism altar over there and my shamanic altars over here. <laughs> and I see them as two sides of the same coin. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. I love it. So um, because you know this is connection to the cosmos, I'm curious and i didn't ask you this ahead of time but i was just curious and you're in peru where the government's very open about the existence of ufos and aliens there from what i understand mm -hmm. have you had any experiences there or elsewhere um i had a very couple of wild experiences here i've also had um i've seen three UFOs during my lifetime. One of them was at Star Mountain, actually. Oh, it was really where I uh, was it. Carol and I were standing outside. Um, yeah, one there, and then when I was on Salt Spring Island um, in BC, I saw and heard one. It was that low. I, it was like what? It was crazy. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> after my first dieta here in the jungle, I came into the Sacred Valley, and I, I did a, a private tour with a beautiful Quechua man who um, taught me how to do coca madre ceremonies and we went to this place it's Euros it's on Lake Titicaca the energy of Titicaca is close to the Ganga in India close okay, okay. no like wild and it's huge huge yeah. I can't wait to go I'm coming next year I'm gonna come see you but oh, please do um and it was funny because uh, my, my guide, uh, this is where we did the first, the, the sort of the Coca Madre ceremony and he would read, There's I'm learning how to read coca leaves as well. Okay. My relationship with the, with the coca. And um, we didn't, it was the first day, he, we didn't really talk, he didn't really know me very well, I didn't really know him very well. And we were standing on this beautiful reed boat. They make the boats out of reeds, everything is made out of reeds from Titicaca. And he was standing, we were standing on this boat and he took some leaves and he threw them into the water and they landed. And then he looked at me and he went, you're not here for tourism, are you? And I was like, no. <laughs> and so he, after that, he really opened up. Anyway, we went to Tequila Island and we would be up at before sunrise and doing coca motor ceremonies at sunrise. I was, it was, I was, I was tired, but I was loving every minute of it. And I don't know if this falls in line with a UFO, but they, they see stuff on Tequila Island all the time. There's 2,700 inhabitants. They talk very freely to, to, to my guide. And he told me, he says, yeah, they see, they see stuff all the time. And I was like, okay, I don't know that didn't phase me at all. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm one who doesn't very often remember her dreams which i'm fine with because then i just latch on to it and what does that mean 
<clears throat> this night, I mean, I was in bed at eight o'clock and I was out. And I don't know if it was a dream. I don't think so. But I was in a place from another time, mm -hmm. sitting in an open window, looking out over this, this village. And, and every time I consider it, Mesopotamia kind of comes. And I was sitting in this window and it was like, I could feel the breeze on my face. I could smell everything. I could hear everything. I remembered what I was wearing. And I thought to myself, as myself was sitting there, mm -hmm. I wonder if I'm dreaming right now. And I woke up and I was like, no, 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 please. And I was like, okay, let's leave back to wherever that was. I don't know, Lisa. I, I don't know. I don't know if I was transported somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, but it was so real. Like, I am sitting oh, here no. right now. Right now. Yeah. And, yeah, I'll never, ever forget it. Ever forget it. No idea what happened. But it did. It did. <laughs> And the continuation of that was um, there's a place near Puno and Lake Titicaca called the Arumumuru Gateway, which is insane. <clears throat> it's an outcropping of these big red roads. And I was getting altitude sickness, and I'd forgotten that I had pills because you kind of lose your mind a little bit and can't think clearly. Okay. And my guide said, do you want to get out? I know you're not feeling well, but you want to get out. And, and walk to the gateway and connect to the land, or do you want us to just drive and you can get out? I'm like, I gotta walk. I gotta walk. So we got out. This walk turned out to be an hour and a half. And every step I took, I felt like I was gonna pass out. And I just kept calling to my guides and my angels, is like, just get me through, just left, right, left, right, left, right. And I don't know. Um, I, I thought in my mind for some reason that we still would have to drive to the gateway when we got there because I was so confused, kind of. Mm -hmm. But when we came down off of the outcropping and turned the corner, and you can't miss it. It looks like there's a person at a 45-degree angle on the top of it, and then there's this huge gate that, you know, technically doesn't go anywhere, but they do refer to it as a portal. I was going to say, it's, yeah, a portal. <laughs> a portal. Mm -hmm. And... I came down and rounded the corner, and I think that the look of astonishment on my face, Alejandro looked at me, and I just burst into tears, and he just nodded. He just nodded, and I just, I just burst into tears, and I couldn't stop. <laughs> I was exhausted. I felt like crap. But here was this thing that was like one of the focal points of this trip for me. Yeah. And because he had taught me how to do the Kokomadri ceremony already. Um, and it was funny because there was no one else there. It was just, I was all by myself. Okay. And so he says, this is what I want you to do. And so I did the Kokomadri ceremony, the wine, the Pachamama. And then he wanted me to kneel in the gateway. And there's a, there's a round hole okay. in the middle of it. He said, I want you to kneel there. Put your arms out here on the sides and put your third eye on, on that that little kind of indent hole. So I did that and I'm still sobbing. And then I started laughing and sobbing at the same time. He said, oh my God, how ridiculous I must look. And I'm like, Carmel, there's no one else here. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> right? And so I'm in this, this doorway and I don't, hearing is one of my least clairs, if you want to call it. Okay, yeah. But I'm kneeling there and I'm starting to see kind of shapes and outlines. And I heard clearly three times, we are always here. We are always here. And so that made me cry even harder. <laughs> um, so, you know, 
the UFOs I've experienced, the, the mystical experiences that I've had are just, you know, you can't, I, I had a wild experience on the big island, the Waipio Valley. Um, but yeah, you just can't explain some of this stuff. You, can, you can't make it up. I mean, I couldn't make this up if I tried. Right? I know, I'm not that creative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on now. I mean, I am creative, but like, yeah. I, I don't, I could never be a fiction writer because I, my mind doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. So, okay. So I want to encourage people go to Peru and go see Carmel. <laughs> um, I know I am, I'm going to figure it out how to make it happen so that Skip and I can come to you either before or after the rest of the Peru trip. That would be amazing. I, yeah. Amazing. You can meet Aya. Y'all. So sweet. Yeah. My little medicine dog. <laughs> Beautiful. Medicine this one. Yeah. Um, so tell people how they can find you, um, how they can work with you, even if like, do you only work with people in person or do you do any remote? Well, no, a lot of my, 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 my mentoring is online. Okay. Zoom, Google me. Um, that's how I worked with, with, with most people. I've got clients, us, Canada, all over. Um, and so, yeah, so we do that work, spiritual mentoring. We do one-on-one -on -one work, um, medicine retreats, um, basically it's not a cookie cutter because everybody is unique. So it's whatever you're working through where you're at in a specific time. Um, and I like, you know, there's, there's dialogue that, that happens and, you know, sharing the, some of the wisdom and experiences that, that I've had, but I, I firmly believe that talk therapy doesn't really get anywhere. Uh, it, it's more for me about tools, techniques, and processes that, you know, you have to do. Yeah. You know, there's no switch that's just going to magically go boom. There's there's work that needs to be done, but it's through the tools, techniques, and the processes that I give people to use and work with, so that they can experience firsthand what is possible, and it can happen in a very short amount of time, and then that becomes the motivation to continue, which is. Why I do four hours of Saturday a day. People think I'm crazy. I'm up at 5, 5.30 in the morning so that it's, most of it is out of the way and, and done before, you know. Um, and so there's, there's that aspect to it that is very much experiential. Mm -hmm. Start experiencing different dimensions, accessing different dimensions. It's like, you know, the Debbie Sadhana is free online. Um, and, you know, the divine feminine is not a concept um, or a principle. It's a dimension that you can tap into. And you can do that by doing the Debbie Sadhana, which I give to people. You know, they have to do it or they don't do it. You know, a lot of people, I don't know if you've gotten this either, it's like, well, do you guarantee? I'm like, how the hell can I do that? I said, you have to do the work. How can I guarantee that you're going to do this? Right. Okay, I can't do that. Anybody that gives you a guarantee in this type of work is, I don't, you know, I'm not going to go there, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, 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 there's work that needs to be done and you have to have the desire, the courage and the willingness to do that and take that action. And I can give you the keys and show you the door and, you know, give you the processes to do and you can get there. Um, and then the medicine work, of course, is through the retreat. So you can find me at, at carmelcamp.com. It's rerouted to my sacredvalleycorundera.com website, but that's way too long for people to remember. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's carmelcamp.com. Okay, and for those just listening on the podcast outlets, it's C-A-R-M-E-L-L-E-K-E-M-P. Yeah. Yeah. .com. Yeah. Well, we are out of time, Carmel, but I have so appreciated the conversation with you. And I learned new stuff today because I personally have not experienced ayahuasca or San Pedro yet, but it is on my bucket list. And so um, cool. 
And I think that you have explained enough why people shouldn't just try to do it on their own. Like you no, really want to really guide. Yeah. You know, with especially with ayahuasca, there's so much that can go wrong. There's there's so much that can go wrong. Um, you know, I, I know even, you know, and, and San Pedro is the same thing. And I know that a lot of people are doing what they would call self-guided psilocybin or mushroom ceremonies. Yeah. They're a little bit more forgiving because they're kind of like the grandkids. But when you really sort of take a look at it from this perspective, that it is then a self-guided journey. And you have to think about, well, which self is guiding this? Mm. Right? Yeah. So please, 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 everyone, if you can, I know that, I mean, unless you're an absolute seasoned traveler, self-guided journeys and ceremonies with plant medicine is very, very perilous. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I would say people, there are a lot of people who do this kind of work, but they're not all created equal. So, like, no. I, I feel like I could trust myself with you. And so for the for people who are considering this, just make sure that you understand who you are going to be working with. Yeah, especially with ayahuasca. It's, yeah, you, you do need a formally trained um, shaman to, to, to be serving and guiding that ceremony. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again so much. And for those of you watching or listening, thank you for being here. And I will see you next time. Aloha. Thank you, Lord.